Right, so this week... Yes. This week, I think we have got a great one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you why. At first, I thought it was, there wasn't going to be much meat on the bone. No. I thought it was all about one person and their hubris. Yes. And what you fast realise is it's about a number of people and their hubris. Yes. And bad management skills. Terrible management skills and a lot of selfishness, a lot of looking after number one was going yes. on. A lot. But it also, as you start reading into it, it really seems like, a, well, I say modern day as if Game of Thrones is real, but like a modern day Game of Thrones. There is this battle for the Iron Throne. Yes. Which in this case was a CEO role. Funny enough, because I suggested this and and it's funny how things go because we thought, of, I knew you do the research and I come and bring it to you and you listen to me. Mm. And But this time I brought up the subject of Iron Storm and you did the research this time so we've swapped about a bit. And my idea was... You get a, you get like a a couple of people like a double act of people yeah. in technology and in certain creative schemes. So you have got Steve Jobs and, and Steve, Steve Wozniak. Yep. You had Stanley and uh, Kirby. Jack, Jack Kirby. And ID Jules. Software, the people that made Quake and Doom. You had John Cormack and John Marrero. Uh, yeah, yeah. Or John Carmack. John Carmack. Yeah, no John Carmack. Yeah. John McCormack. I, I kept calling him John McCormack when I was researching yeah, yeah. him. I was like, why am I doing that? It's John Carmack. Isn't John McCormack the person who wrote The Road, maybe? He, he might be. I know that name. I yes. think that's why I kept making mistakes. But, so, but that's what I was thinking. And we'd look, mm. we'll take one of them away and look at what they did on their own when they were separated yeah. from a... From a uh, like looking at... Everyone knows what... Jobs did, you yes, know, like after you split. But do, do people know what Wozniak did? Yes, exactly. So yeah. that's, that's what I was thinking. Yeah. But then I gave it to you, and you found a completely different narrative. Oh, completely. and actually, your narrative might actually be a little bit more interesting than what I, than what I was thinking. So oh, okay. let's have a look. Oh, and see okay. what you're going, gal. So right, I'm, I'm so, interested. So for those that, that that haven't caught it so far, this week's top of the flops is based around a game development company called Ion. Yes. I O N. Ion. Ion. Yep. Ion. If you want to pronounce it correctly, you're correct. Yeah, Ion Storm. Now, I just feel Storm. <laughs> tremendous. Well, look, Iron Storm might not be a name that's famous to you. It no. certainly wasn't to me. When you first said it, I didn't know who you were talking about. Yes. But what I did know was one of the main players, which is a guy called John Romero. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And his infamous game. Daikatana. It's hard to say. <laughs> hard to say without looking down at how it's spelt. Yeah. Daikatana, which in itself kind of... Well, is it katana? So It might be katana because it is a Japanese uh, translation. Well, yeah, yeah, but do you say the sword katana or katana? Uh, it's Leonardo part. sword, isn't it? Yeah, it's, yeah, it's the same. It's the same thing. And the fact that it, it does translate to something like... The, the sword or something like that. Yeah, Carl, big I sword. Did, yeah, the big sword. That's it. That's what it translates. Roughly. It's not what? direct translation. Should we just call it big sword? Just for <laughs> Let's just call it big quit. sword. Yeah, let's call it. That will make it a lot, lot easier. Now... Daikatana. Yeah, Daikatana. Now, a lot of people might know about Daikatana. It's a, it's a famous game where a lot of things were promised, not a lot was delivered. Yes. But actually, what a lot of people, myself included, didn't know was the story behind that game, and in particular, the studio... Iron Storm. Mm-hmm. Now, in order for me to really tell this story, right, I think okay. you need to understand who the main players are. Yes. Because as you thought, the main player was John Romero. Yes. He is not. He is the guy that is the most vilified, absolutely. Mm-hmm. But I actually feel really sorry for him after this research, and, I, and, I, and I'll go into why. But who is John Romero? Yes. John Romero is a games programmer. Mm-hmm. Okay. And he, along with... Um, John Carmack 
Adrian Carmack and Tom Hall mm-hmm. founded a software company called ID Software. Yes, that made Wolfenstein, Doom, Quake. Yeah. They invented the FPS. If it wasn't for them, Absolutely. FPS wouldn't exist. Absolutely. The two people that left were Tom Hall and John Romero. Right, yeah. Mm-hmm. The two people that remained at ID yeah. were uh, John Carmack and Adrian Carmack, who are no relation, even right. though their names are spelt the same. Yes. And it's, it's well, no, Adrian and John's not spelt the same. <laughs> well done. You got me for half a second. For half a second. So they're, they're the main the sort of main players. But it's interesting. The reason I wanted to, to point out is, although I'm not really going to go back to them much, right, okay. this, it's interesting to know that they stayed at the company. They were they, not the ones that left. No, they stayed at ID. However... Even though they stayed, and, and, and we'll subsequently find out whether that was a good move or a bad move, the person that became famous off the work that they did at ID Software was John Romero. Yeah, he was the rock star. He had the he, fast cars, he had the long hair. Actually, they all had fast cars. John Carmack turbo-fitted Ferraris. Wow, the guy wow. is a genius. Watch the Joe Rogan podcast with him. I'm not entirely sure there's anything this guy doesn't know the inner workings of. Oh, right, okay. I think just... if this is a simulation, he's the one in control of it. Right, you he like is that? that sort of person. He is, he is just so... He's, he's one, he's, what he does, he'll do six months of development, then he'll take himself off for six months and learn something new. Right, okay. So he's learned martial arts, he's learned, yes. you know, like cars. He's probably autistic <clears throat> in some sort uh, of well, thing. He calls Maybe himself a... Asperger's. He said, yeah, he says he's, he's an introvert hermit. That's what right, he calls yeah. himself. Well, he's probably got a bit of Asperger's. I, I, I would, I would Maybe that think sort of so. Um, Hello, we, I think we probably... Uh, it's the big of a Big Bang Theory thing where anyone who's a little bit smart and a little bit of an introvert, you might go, oh, yeah, they're like, a, you know what I mean? Absolutely. Now, the reason that, the, as I said, we, we need to know about them and the fact that John Romero was a bit of a rock star, yes. if you like. So he created these games. And actually, he invented death matches. Yes. Right. So, so although uh, John Carmack invented the engine, yes. if you like, that allowed first-person shoes, he didn't know that's what he was inventing. No, no. John Romero looked at it and said, you realise we could do this with it. Yes. And then off there spread. So you needed that. What you realise is that in that team, you had Carmack who could do the hard slogging. The math. The math, exactly, the engineering. But Romero was the ideas guy. Yeah, he took that math and made it into something playable. There's no point of doing, be able to do all this texture shifting and all this like 3d stuff yeah if it's not there's if no it's game to play if it's exactly. just gonna be like a maze game exactly and and that's and that's a really good point to make because that's why he left the company because he felt that he was restricted on what the games he can make because he had to wait for john yes uh, so yeah, yeah john carmack to create the technology yeah and wait for the other john exactly yeah. he felt that he had to wait for the other john and it felt restricted so after they shipped quake mm-hmm. he left the company to form Iron Storm, where their motto was, I think it was design is law. Right, or, okay. Or, yeah, design is law. So it was it was all about design a game, then go find a technology that will make it work. Right, Not okay. find a technology and explore yeah, then where you it, can take yeah, it. Yeah, use it and make a game with it. Exactly. Now, there are six main players in this story. Six? Six main players. Now, we only thought it was John Romero. And none of them are Postman Pat. And none of them are Postman Pat, which really got me down. Really got <laughs> me down. And, um, but there is a, a black and white cat called Jess. So, right, okay. Uh, no, that, that's my, nice. Yeah, exactly. There's not. There's, I don't know why I said that. <laughs> but the six main players were John Romero, yeah. as we've established. He's what is essentially been a lifelong colleague now, Another a game designer called mm-hmm. Tom Hall, right? Okay, who was one of the other founders of ID Software, but had actually left right, again okay. due to creative differences with John Carmack. Right. Okay. Uh, I think it was after Doom 
I think that he left. He wasn't part of the Quake team, and he'd actually he'd, he'd joined another three um, D game company. Right. Okay. So so those two had worked together. Then you have Todd Porter. Right. And Jerry O'Flaherty. Right. They're what you call the four founders. Right, okay. Okay. But there were six owners. Who are Tom Porter or John? So, so I will get into that because right. oh, right. I'm okay. going to come yeah. over to that later. Right. So, I'm, so I'm just telling you who the players were. And okay. They're going to tell you a bit about them so you understand right. okay. yeah. what they were bringing to mm -hmm. the table. And then you had two other people who were between them owned 5% each. Right. So okay. it's 2.5% each. And they were COO. Yeah. Chief Operating Officer, uh, Bob Wright. Okay. And CEO, Mike Wilson. Right, okay. Now, Mike Wilson, because I don't think I actually wrote this down anywhere, had actually also worked with John Romero and Tom Hall right, at okay. ID Software. Well, why did they have those two guys come in and do the CEO? I suppose because they didn't want to do it. They just wanted to create games. They just wanted to, well, certainly. Well, actually, that's what you'd think. When you look at the six people... Yeah. It does pose so questions. Of, to that's a lot of people, you know what I mean? A lot, well, Too many cooks spoiled the broth, as exactly. they say. Exactly, and they were coming from ID, it was like 10 people. Yeah. You mm -hmm. know, like I think John Romero said he made something like 55 games uh, over, or 60 games over 5.5 years with a team of 10. Mm -hmm. You know, in the years that this company yeah. was made, they barely got, managed one. And they've got six people in the management just, just in the, the management team yeah. with no clear hierarchy right yeah no clear they've got hierarchy. a CE, a coo a yeah. ceo yeah. and then who are the other two guys so so you got the so you got the four founders john romero tom hall yes todd porter jerry o'flaherty yeah todd porter and jerry o'flaherty yeah are they programmers yes they are oh right so so everybody here except for the last two so so bob Wright yeah, so, yeah, and mike wilson are not programmers well they're obviously ceo and ceo so they don't have to be yeah, programmers exactly but the others were programmers people. although yes. there is question marks about whether at least one of these people can call themselves a programmer oh, okay well yeah so now obviously you want to know about these players who yeah. they are and i don't think there's a better person to start with than john romero right because he was the rock star he was the name yeah. behind it all so what i did was i looked into well, where did he come from we know he was at id software but, but where did he come from before that because doing my research he claimed to be a programmer from the age of 13 yes might not bring a professional programmer. No, he used to program uh, venture games. He did, yes. And he, for the Apple II. He did. And, and then when he did become professionally, uh, or a professional programmer, what he did was a lot of conversions from Apple II to the Commodore 64 yes. and other devices that, I've got to be honest with you, I don't really remember the names. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I haven't got them written down. Yeah, Amstrad, the Sinclair, there was all those Yeah, exactly. So he used to do time. a lot of the conversions and, you know, and, and he would do it from Commodore to Apple and yeah, so on and so forth. A lot of them had the, uh, the same sort of chip. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the Atari 800. Oh, a right, lot of them yeah. were based around the same chip, so it was very easy for him to convert from one to another. Yes, yeah, yeah exactly. And he was very good at it. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah, apparently very, very good at it. So he then took up a full-time position with a company called Softdisk. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Where he would go on to work with a number of the players that we've already mentioned. Yeah, he got he got John uh, Cormack a job at Soft. He did. Soft he got all the others. He yeah. was sort of there and he sort of started putting yeah, people yeah. in. Exactly. He wanted his own because he didn't, they had been work, working on utilities to start with. Yeah. And he didn't want, he actually wanted, he, all he wanted to do was make games. That's what he loves. He wants to yeah. design games, make games. That's all he wants to do. That's the only yeah. thing he wants. Yeah. And so he said to them, I want to make a, a games, a games division. Yeah, I think they called it Games Bank. Mate, what was it called? Uh, games Zone or Games Span. Yeah, or something, something like that. that. Yeah. So that's what he wanted to do, and so he started bringing other people in. That's how he met John Cormack, and yep. I suppose. Uh, and they, and they were working. Technically, they were already working on ID before it officially got 
yeah, uh, got okay. formed. And, and um, not not the case of Iron Storm. They, they had left ID by that point, but yeah, they yeah. were still working in the soft disk right, yeah. when they fought. So that's why it wasn't... There's, there's sort of certain people that were brought in later that t- right, still okay. technically founders. Right, right, so that's that's John right. Cormack. So that's that's that no, that's John Romero. John Romero, sorry. John Romero and Tom and, and a bit of Tom Hall. Well, so, yeah. So Tom Hall was also there, was he? Uh, well, Tom Tom Hall, um, yeah. So he he had also worked with them. Right. Okay. Um, and he had gone from there to work with them and, and form ID Software yes. in 1991. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's like. In that crew. Yeah, exactly. He's part of that crew, but he's obviously clearly quite buddied up with John Romero. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know? They've worked on a lot of game design yeah, most probably together. Exactly, because yeah, they were game designers. That's what yes. they did. Yeah. You know? Whereas, Car- I was actually saying that Adrian Carmack was design as well. He yeah. was an art director. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but John's obviously all about the programming. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. like, and the engine. Well, we were so, saying last week we were talking about Mythical Quest. Mm-hmm. Mythic Quest? Mythic Quest. I keep yeah, calling him Mythic Quest. Oh, no, you do, yeah, Mythic Quest. Mythic yeah. Quest. Yeah. That character, his name's Ian. He's Ian, isn't it? Ian, oh, is it? Yeah. His character is a lot like John Romero's sort of character where he's a game designer, mm. but he doesn't do a lot of programming. He doesn't do a lot of... He actually just designs the games. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that's exactly what was and the case. And he's a bit of a rock star and a bit yeah. of fever. And, and what would happen is Tom Hall would have creative differences mm-hmm. with John Carmack. I believe... I've not got it written down. I think if I remember right, he was during Doom. Right, so, okay. so he wasn't part yeah, of Doom yeah, 2. Yeah, he said that. When he, Quake. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So he had left. Yeah. John Romero then had creative differences with him yeah. after mm-hmm. Quake had been done. Yeah. And the problem they had was that Carmack yeah. felt that Romero, allegedly this is, wasn't pulling his weight. Right, okay. Yeah, he wasn't putting the hours in that other people were putting in. He's too he busy was, being a rock star. too busy being a rock star programmer. Yeah. And, and he wasn't getting the work done. And and I think even he's had a bit of a, a change in heart as the years have yeah, gone on. Yeah, but they did, he did say that they had designed all those games one after another without a break. So it was just a long blur of just going from one to the other. I mean, the rate at which they all came out was amazing. Oh, yeah, and absolutely. For the amount of teams where they did, people can't build games like that these days that fast. No. So what about the other two then? Okay, Todd Porter. Yes. And Jerry O'Flaherty. So now these two were harder to find information on. Right, okay. You go to their Wikipedia page, there's like... Jerry O'Flaherty doesn't have one right, and Tom okay. Porter has got like one line yeah you know like so every time you went to Jerry O'Flaherty he was about some river dancing guy it probably was <laughs> it probably was but what I was able to find about Todd Porter right okay was that he much like John Romero had started by programming on Apple II right okay and he'd worked his way up although I can't find any history of any game that he himself made and that's an important point okay. to make so he was doing the same and he eventually would parlay that into creating a company called Distant Thunder. Right, okay. Where he would hire or bring along with him as a, as a co-founder, Jerry O'Flaherty. Right, okay. So he would work on the programming, Jerry would be doing the art. Right, okay. And during the time that they're making the company, or should I say subsequently during the they were seen as a success because they managed to sell this company for a profit. Right, okay. When you drill into it, what you find out is that he took on a lot of loans... Mm-hmm. A lot of loans took on a lot of advances. Never finished a single game in the entire time he owned the game. Well, that's going to come back to repeat, isn't it? Oh, yes, it does. <laughs> a bit of foreshadowing, yeah, exactly. And was on the verge of the company collapsing until an organisation called the Seventh Level came along and they they bought it for him for one point five million dollars. They bought his company for they one. Bought point. his company. For 1.5 Even though they never produced a game. Never produced a game and only had one partially completed uh, title that they, they would go on to complete 
looked like Endzone or Endgame. I can't remember exactly what the title of it was, yeah. mm-hmm. but it flopped spectacularly. It was it was meant to be, it's considered to be a terrible game that should never have been released. Right. So that was the only game they they had in in and the works. That was worth one point five. And that was worth one. What are we doing? This podcast now worth two million. Who wants to buy this podcast? <laughs> yeah, exactly. We've at least completed five of them. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Right. So he had completed none, and uh, he sold. The he sold this company, right? right? Now, that was hard to find because if you look up most stuff, it just says he was working on Apple II before joining Origin and then becoming a PC gamer. Well, no, that wasn't his story at all. Yeah, you know, Origin, like, obviously, the people who made um, uh, Ultima Online. Mm, yes, exactly. Uh, John yeah. Romero actually worked for him for a while as well. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, so it says that that's... And, and he yeah. may very well have worked for Origin, but that's not what got him... Into no. Iron Storm. It was the sale of this company. It was the fact that he could take a games development company from nothing and sell it for right. one point five like million a, yeah. dollars. Right. So, and and the reason that I mention those two is because I found an interview on the Dallas Observer, or certainly right. extracts uh, okay. from nineteen ninety nine. I I went deep on this one, Dale. And we, me and you, we look at this and we see Wilson and we see Wright, the COO and the CEO, and we think they're the business guys. Yeah. Right. So Porter must have been brought in as, as a developer. Apparently not. When he was approached by Romero, mm-hmm. Romero said to him, I want to bring you on board. I've seen what you've done with Distant Thunder. Yeah. I want you to do the same with Iron Storm. And I don't really want to focus on the business aspect. I just want to focus on developing games. Yes. I'm making this company so that I can make the games that I want to make. And yes. I don't want to be restricted. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to get involved in the business side. This is Todd Porter's story. Right. Okay, so it's not been backed up by anybody, but this is what he's saying. John Romero pitched him the role. Right. So he then said to John Romero, I will only do it if I can bring Jerry Flackerty with me. Okay. And apparently, this is where I think there's a bit, I don't believe the story. Apparently, that's when Romero then says to him, okay, but only if I can bring Tom Hall in. Right. Okay. I don't believe that aspect at all. I think that Tom Hall was always going to be brought in. And I think that I don't think Romero needed to ask anybody's permission. No, bring him most in. probably. Exactly. But I think the, the, the approach that Porter took, or, or certainly he's trying to re-sculpt the narrative. Right, okay. That I think he was brought in for programming. Right. Because he had a similar background without the success of working yeah. on Apple II mm-hmm. as a Romero. But he was also significantly older than everybody else. He oh. was 36 at the time. 36? 36. Romero was a few years younger than him. And Mike Wilson, who was CEO... Yeah. was 26. 26. There was a decade between them. And these Why two... Why they got a 26-year-old to be a CEO? He was a head of marketing over at ID. Oh, uh, ID. Oh. Yeah, and they'd worked with him, and that, obviously he was a very talented person. Yeah, but and, be... and look, if there's one thing he did, he got their name out there. There was a yeah. big mistake he made, a mm-hmm. big, big, and I will come to that. Right, okay. But, but still, a 26-year-old CEO... Yeah. I can't see that. No. Especially when you're older than him. I mean... Yeah, go on. Um, Steve Jobs, when he was CEO of Apple, was probably around that age. He wasn't old. Yeah, but, but he was one of the founders. But he was one of the founders, yeah. yeah. But so, so so this guy isn't one of the four founders, but he is CEO. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that therein, for me, is the beginnings of the first mistake. Yeah, you can still see, just from the, that sort of structure, this isn't, there's something not There's right no here. structure. That's the point, is oh, you've right. got a CEO, and technically the CEO should be calling the shots. Yes. But your CEO owns 
less of the company or has less of the say in the company than four other people. Yes, he's only got a 5% No, 2.5% stake. Oh, 2.5% stake. Yeah. Between five... him and the COO... No, they had a 5% stake combined. each. Combined, yeah. Oh, each. I actually oh, had to five... read that myself several times because I kept writing 5% each and the maths oh, wasn't right. adding up. Yeah, no, yes. But yeah, the others, I think it was um, 20% each for the other um, three and John Romero had 30% right, yeah. of the company. Mm -hmm. Although Todd Porter allegedly would bully O'Flaherty because he wasn't happy right, okay. with his equity state, so he bullied him into taking 5% less. So I think right. it actually goes Romero 30, Porter 25, um, Hall 20, uh, O'Flaherty 15, and then the other two shared the other 5%, which was Wright and, and Wilson. No, then wouldn't it be another 10%? Uh, yeah, it should be, shouldn't it? So, excess. I read it several <laughs> times. The match didn't up to me, right, okay. but but I read it, and it's definitely five percent that they split between. Right, the two okay. Of them. So there must be another five percent flowing about. There's another five percent flowing, and uh, I think that's what they sold to Edos. Right, I think okay. that's there was their collateral. Right, okay. uh, In selling the business, so actually it does add up right. when, when you stop to think about. It. So so he says that he was brought in to focus on the business. Right, right? okay. And what you, is also what I found out, and again, I, I found uh, an interview with O'Flaherty, who actually seems to be the most successful person out of this group of people right, to come okay. out of this. And he said at the time, he'd never worked on anything other than 2D rendering. Right, okay. Never worked on 3D rendering before. And right, okay. well, although... You, if you hadn't worked for ID, probably not, because most games other than... Other than ID were 2D. Exactly. They were right. sort of the first pioneers of the 3D sort of where things, where things were going. Yeah. But of the four pillars of power, as they were affectionately known, mm -hmm. the four main owners, Romero was making his own title. Yes. Um, Hall was making his own title. So right, Romero's okay. was um, Daikatana. Daikatana, yeah. Uh, Hall was making Acronox or Acronics. Yeah, Acronics, yeah. Yeah, Acronics. Yeah. Yeah, uh, without reading some of these in front of me, it's <laughs> yeah. hard to remember yeah, how, yeah. how it is I'm supposed to. And Arquim. Porter was supposed to be making a game called Doppelganger. Oh, right, okay. Okay, so just I'm going to park that there for a second. And Flackerty did not have his own game he was making. Right, yeah. So, he was just, so they had their own teams, their own divisions, they were all supposed to be making their mm -hmm. own games. Yeah. So, as I said to you, I think that that was one of the first problems that right. the, this, mm -hmm. the company encountered. But where, or as I entitled it the next stage, the beginning of the Iron Storm. Right, okay. So they've, they've formed a team. They need to get some funding. So where exactly. do they get their funding from, Gary? Exactly. So they, they had originally... Because I never looked into this when I originally well, well, this is like, Where did they get their money exactly, from? Exactly, right. Now, as anybody will tell you that's a good investor, they will tell you, you never invest with your own money. No, no, you... Never invest with your own money. And they didn't. Even though they were rock stars, they'd been paid huge royalties, yeah. certainly, remember, no, no. Right? You still used investors. And originally, they had a deal in place... Right, certainly okay. an offer on the table from a company called Mindscape. Who are like an old school a publisher. Like if you had a 16-bit era you would, or a PC back in the day, yeah. you'd know who Mindscape are. Don't they, they sort of disappeared before the console sort of wars started, mm. before the 3D console, before the right, start okay. of the second gen, third generation. Yeah. So this was probably their attempt to get involved in that. Yeah, they, I think they made a lot of simulations and things like that. Oh, okay, okay. So they, and then that, that's it, that does make sense. I think they had a logo was an eye with a light beam coming out of it, I think. Okay, okay, I, I, I don't know. Something to remember. Yeah, well, they, remember, I, I'm, I'm from the 16-bit era. I remember, I remember from the 16-bit era forward. I don't remember the 8-bit era because I didn't, wasn't interested in computers that looked yeah. like crap. I, I think, I think you only remember time. one games or the era once you were able to actually play them. Yeah. So I, I remember 8-bit games. I don't know if I was uh, whether I was 
around when they were still around, if that makes yeah, sense. But no. I remember I couldn't play them because I was too young. By the yeah. times I was old enough to play games, I was on 32-bit. Yeah. So, um, okay. So Mindscape had put an offer on the table of $13 million. And what that meant was a three-game contract with an advance of $3 million per game. Right, okay. And then $4 million for the remaining percentage of equity left in the company. Right, okay. So they would get a share in the company as well. Now, from what I can understand, it seems like a bit of a mixture of, well, heavily led by Porter, but Bob Wright was involved in this as well. They then used that offer right, okay. as a measuring stick for other investors. Well, that's what you do, yeah. yeah. You say, this is the offer we got, this is the offer you got to beat. Yeah, this is how much we're worth. And in steps, as I said, the beginnings of the writing on the wall. If you take the hierarchy out of it and you just right, look okay. at, okay, where was the first real proper business decision yeah. made? Mm -hmm. And it was here. And in steps, EDOS. Yes, famous for Tomb, Tomb Raider. Raider. And they had recently made bucket loads of cash yes. with Tomb Raider. And they wanted to align themselves with a production company mm -hmm. and whose name was bigger at the time than John Romero. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So they came in and they were going to... Did they? Was it? I don't know if that timeline actually adds up. Okay, carry on anyway. Yeah, but they, they, they certainly had a bunch of money. So I don't know yeah. whether... They'd already made Tomb Raider or whether the money was from venture capitalism, whether right, they, okay. they themselves had investment, yeah. made Tomb Raider at the same time, but also invested in mm. Iron Storm. I'm not 100% clear on that, but it doesn't really matter. No, no. Right? All, it matters. all it matters is that they came in and trumped Mindscape's offer. Yes. Okay? I don't actually have what their original offer was going to be. And again, even the subsequent offer does seem to change a bit, where you, okay, depending on yeah. where you look. Mm -hmm. But what actually happened, the deal was supposed to be three games. And that's right. what Romero thought was happening. And that was fine, each. Yeah, each. Everybody had their own department. Yeah. They were going to make a game easy. Yeah. You're giving us three million to make these games. We'll do it in no time. That's almost pure profit that we're yeah. working with here. Mm -hmm. But in the 11th hour, EDOS changed their deal. They didn't want three games. They wanted six. Right, okay. They, they, didn't wanna, they wanted to be involved for longer with them because they thought they were going to be a success. So they didn't want to yeah, give them three John games. Romero, the exactly, yeah, the... They didn't want to give them three games and then let them go off. And John Romero's talking about Daikatana, this amazing revolutionary FPS with AI, artificial intelligence involved. Yeah, exactly. It was going to revolutionise the gaming industry. Mm -hmm. This guy invented death matches. This guy was the... He came up with... Things like, you know, yeah. Doom uh -huh. and, and Quake and, and, and how, you know. Funny enough, yeah. ironically, someone would publish a uh, FPS that was revolutionary. Yeah. And that company was Ironstorm Austin. They did, uh, yeah, with, with Deus Ex Machina. Deus Ex, yeah. De or Deus Ex Machina. Yeah, my, my pronunciations may be a bit off here, people. Well, it doesn't really matter because it's um, Latin, so it doesn't matter oh, how you it? pronounce it. Yeah, oh, nobody speaks it anymore. No one speaks it. So <laughs> hey. No one knows how it sounds. So, <laughs> exactly. But it's, most of the time people do say uh, Deus Ex. Yeah, exactly. So, th so there, therein lied the problem, right? It was supposed to be three, but now it was six. Now it's six. Now oh. it's six. Now the money's gone up. They've got more money for it. Right, yes. Which is essentially, so I suppose... EDOS have gone, no, we want to be involved in six. Supporter and Riot have gone, okay, but you need to give us more money. Yeah. Mm -hmm. right? Obviously, yeah, you don't want, you're not going to say, we were making three games for three million, now we're going to make six games for three million. No, no you, it, go, it, you go up the Yeah, exactly. Up the ante. They, they up the ante, but I think they also, there was something to do with the royalties that they got on the second right, yeah. wave. But also, EDOS don't have to give them all that money to begin with because they're not going to make the six games to begin with. They're going to no. make one game winning. Yeah, exactly. So, but no, they, they advanced them all the money. They advanced them all they the money. They advanced so. them all the money. That's well, technically. Okay, so going slightly off track, because I don't really talk about this, but I'll just put it in there. They were supposed to meet certain criteria. 
like where they were hitting development timelines yeah, and so on and so forth, right? And then they would get released further capital. That's yes. how venture capitalism works. Yes, it works a lot of time for on, the, on when you're making games, you have to reach the yeah, you reach certain milestones. milestones. Yes, the hey, certain milestones. Look at that. Word, so yeah. You have it all planned out. We reach this milestone yes. in six months and we get there. Exactly, yeah. And then the final bit is gold standard, which is, yeah, yeah, is where it's ready alpha, to be beta. Exactly, yep. Yeah. Now, but because they were so poorly managed and that we were, were running a deficit of $900,000 a month. Right, okay. They started just giving them the money so that right, they okay. could stay afloat because they were like, we haven't even released a game yet. Yes. You know, like, we're going to have to keep you afloat otherwise we're losing. Yeah, they, they wasn't coded in a basement, was they? No, they were not, but I will get to that. Where were they coded? They were at the top of Chase Tower in right. Dallas. Okay. In the penthouse suite that had never been used before. And of the 20 million, which is roughly what I found to be the figure for this okay. original EDOS deal, 2 million of that was spent on the offices. That's crazy. Before a single game was completed. I mean, you can see, you can just smell, you can just know why. This is the thing, like... Us, we don't work in the industry. No. You can smell it. You could see it. If you someone told you that, you go, "Well, this ain't going to work out." Yeah. It's, it's common sense. Exactly. Well, with with that, does hype trump common sense? Does hype just wipe out all common sense? Well, this was it. They they were trying to get the best in the business, so they they wanted to attract people. Going, look at these offices. Look where you can work. They were bringing media tours in, saying, "Look at you know, we're rock stars." Yeah, we're yeah. The, we're with an out with the old, in with the new. We that are the whole... storm. We are the storm. Exactly. Yeah. On the industry, we're bringing the storm. Yes, know, exactly. That's their whole thing. So what you find, so, so they come back to Romero and they're like, look, this is the deal. And he's not happy with it. He's no. like, okay, so what we need to do then is we need to go essentially buy three games that are mostly finished. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We complete them. We sent those out as the, and we've burnt through three of the options. Yeah, so everyone that now back to being three again. Back to being three again Which with minimal effort. Bad, not a bad idea and, really and when you think about it. It's not a bad idea. And also because they would be in advance to money, there's no... Doesn't the game doesn't have to sell for them to pay it back? No, like, exactly. they don't have to. They don't have to make three million and then they get their royalties. No, no, no. They whatever it makes, they get their royalties regardless. Right, you know okay. I mean? like, so for them, they're like, okay, that's what we're going to do then, so that we don't impact on the three games that we're making, the ones that we will get a bigger royalty share for. Yes, we're going to get three burner games. We'll yeah. throw those out. Now, Todd Porter, okay, he is the gentleman that I am saying. Is allegedly called a, a programmer, right, but okay. I don't think there's any example, certainly up until this point. Yeah, that really. And you said he's the guy who just you, when you looked at him, he did, he worked on the Apple II. Yep. And there's not much else. Not we worked on Apple II, then did the Distant Thunder, did, never completed yeah, a game, game there, yeah, exactly. sold the company to Seventh Level, and yes. it's important to know who Seventh Level are. Right. Yeah, well. I've never heard of them before. I'd never heard of them either, but they are. In, like imperative yeah, to, to the narrative yeah, of, of, of this yeah intrinsically Involved. tied uh, yes, yes that's, that's the, the word. word yeah thank you I knew it was an I and I couldn't quite <laughs> I was like eh. okay so Todd Porter steps forward he's working on a game at the time called Doppelganger yes that's his game which, remember I mentioned earlier like keep which that which I mind. know never came out because I never, never heard of it. yeah never came out he was having all kinds of problems and Mike Wilson the CEO at the time was calling him out 
Yes. He was saying, you're running this place like a corporate environment. You're telling everybody to wear blazers. You're bullying interns. It's all alleged, of course, from Mike yeah, Wilson's yeah. side. Mm -hmm. You're bullying interns, making them go get your coffee, like the guy out of office space. You know, yeah. it'd be great right now if you go get me a coffee. Things like that, right? And then he started getting involved in, in the Daikatana meetings and was turning up to the design meetings, even though he had nothing to do with it. He was supposed to be working on doppelganger. Exactly, right? And he was giving excuses like, oh, I can't work on it until I've got the engine. Then yes. he'd get the engine. He'd be like, oh, I can't work on it until I've got the artwork. Who's, and one, and who's this? This, this is, is Todd Porter. This is Todd Porter. Saying yeah, he can't yeah. work on Doppelganger until yeah. he's got mm -hmm. these other things. Can't do any coding until he's got it. Right. Uh, to the point, he made 3D models of the characters that were going to be in the game before he'd ever coded a single part of the game. Yeah. Okay, so just to give you an idea, it sounds like he was always coming up with excuses to why he couldn't code, but really it was to delay anybody having to witness him code. Because right, this was okay. his game. This was his one. He was bringing Doppelganger in. Yeah. So he could have probably got some people underneath him to code. Possibly. And, and, and that is a very good point. And one, again, adds further to why this company really was struggling. Now, so far, really, other than not setting a proper hierarchy, has John Romero done anything wrong? No. No, he hasn't done anything wrong at all. Yet he is obviously the scapegoat of all of this. Hello, saying that Daikakana didn't turn out well, so... No, it didn't, but again, there's, there seems to be a lot of issues that were outside of his control here as well. Mm -hmm. As you get into it, you're like, well, actually, maybe that wasn't his fault either. I think he overstretched. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely oh, overstretched, yeah. but there are mitigating circumstances involved in all of this that say, I've got a feeling that it could have been better if certain players weren't involved. Right, yeah. Mm -hmm. So Todd Paul was obviously struggling with Doppelganger, has a revolutionary idea. The guys over at 7th level, yeah. they're working on a game at the moment, but they're not going to finish it, and they're looking to sell it. It's called Dominion was it Dominion Storm Over Gift 3. Yes. There hasn't been a one or a two. No. <laughs> so I don't know where... I, don't, I mean, it is a terrible name, yes, for starters. It is. it is a terrible name. I think the place was called Gift 3, so that's where the, right, okay. the name comes from. Yeah, I maybe, but anyway. So he's like, guys... We can buy this game for $1.8 million. It's nearly finished. It'll take me $50,000 and six weeks with, I think it was 10 developers, he said, okay. to complete it. We'll get it out the door for less than $2 million. It's profit. We've burnt one of our $3 million options. Yeah. We're like, We've done it. We're there. We can't lose money on this. And I can turn it around. It'll be our first game. It's near enough finished. Now, he says that not only will he make the money, but he'll also sell half a million copies. Yes, so they'll get there. Now, Romero, in an internal leaked email, does say, I don't think it will do anything like that. Yeah, it was an RTS, wasn't it? It was a, a real-time strategy. Yeah, real-time strategy game, but it wasn't as good as Command & Conquer or Warcraft or anything like that. Or what's the Blizzard one? StarQuest? Yeah, StarCraft or Starcraft, Warcraft. StarCraft, sorry. Yeah. Star, oh my, yeah, StarCraft, Starcraft which, incidentally, the day that this game was released was the same day the demo for StarCraft was released. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So, anyway, so he brings over this game. Instantly, problems start appearing because he's hiring developer after the developer after developer. Half the time, HR don't even know that they've been hired. They're just turning up. Right, okay. And he has got a team of people, and it hits delay after delay after delay. And all of a sudden, this game that was supposed to be an easy moneymaker suddenly goes past the three million budget costs more than they were getting for the advance. Right. Yeah. So now it needs to sell copies yes, for them to make, to make their some money. money. Yeah. For the for the Iron Storm company to make any money. Would you like to hazard a guess? Even though you might actually know this answer. Would you like to hazard a guess 
as to how many units were sold in the opening couple of months? 100,000. No, go lower. 10,000. A little bit higher. 14,000 14,000 units. 14,000 units. 14, units. Now, if you do a quick bit of maths at $40, that's only, what, 400,000? Yeah. Mm -hmm. 400,000 on a game that's cost $3 million to make. So, for so me... I'm, so I'm trying to side to the microphone. I don't know if you can pick that up. Yeah. <sighs> exactly. Now, that's the first game that this company... Yes. ...has created. Now, I want to take you a step back a little and bit And they've now. already made a loss on it. They've already made a loss. On something they didn't even make. They didn't make the majority of it. Mm-hmm. They made the end part of it. And also, this game didn't suffer with what Daikatana and... Uh, the one that I can never pronounce the name of. Arkanox. 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 Yeah. So there's lots of R's and N's. Yeah, there's lots of it. And, and we're and dyslexic, it. remember, people. So <laughs> if anybody wants to attack us, remember that trying to remember how a word that's not a traditional <laughs> English word is pronounced when we can't see it is really hard for us. But this is their first game released, and it fouls miserably. And yes. to take a step back, okay, so we got the two warring people which are mike wilson the ceo right who's yeah. a marketing guy yes and todd porter one of the founders who's older than everybody who's else. older than everybody else and the other guy's only 26 he's only 26 and todd porter seemingly never completed a game himself. no this is the first game he's ever actually as the term you you find a lot in this is shipped yes. first game he ever shipped was this and one. He, uh, he had to and it's cost him more than three million it's cost him more than three million to make it and he's been fighting with, uh, with they, Mike Wilson. They, if they had made a game, a Pac-Man conversion or a clone or something, it would probably cost less, yeah. made more money. Yeah, ex exactly, right? Now, probably would have. In fact, they would, it would have been a nut, but again, right? And he doesn't make the same mistakes the other games make. Right? And I'm, I'm slightly mindful that we've only got <laughs> sort of, uh, a little bit of time left, so I want to sort of get through this bit a little bit quicker. So Mike Wilson and, and Todd Porter have been at war, as right. I said. Now, Mike Wilson was not faultless himself. I'm not saying he was perfect in his no. role. He most certainly wasn't. And one of the big mistakes he made was that infamous marketing campaign, John Romero is going to make you his B. Yes. Right? Now, John Romero at the time was loved by the gaming community. Yes. People loved him. He grew his hair, you know, to be that rock star of the gaming community. He, he, was, he loved games himself. Oh, yeah, I mean, he was he all about games. That's why he, as we said, he wanted to start... Iron Storm, and he just wanted to make the game. So that's why he put everybody exactly. else to say, you deal with the business, yeah. I just want to make a game. But he was the name. He was what they were, they were banking yeah, exactly, on. Yeah, exactly. Everyone knew who he was. Exactly. No one knows who Billy Porter is or Bobby Porter. I don't even know what his name is. And now, subsequently, Romero has apologised for that advert. Oh, know? yeah, he you said know, he didn't like, like it at the time. And, and Exactly. And at the time, when doing my research, he actually didn't want it to go out. Yes. He said no. He was like, at first he thought it was funny, then he got cold feet and was like, no. But Mike Wilson convinced him to go ahead with it. Now, I think that was a huge mistake as well, because all of a sudden you turn people that adored you, people that are rooting for your success. Now, all of a sudden, like, you better be amazing because yes, you've, you've, you've hyped this game up. It's like the footballer that walks onto the pitch with your luminous boots. You better be good. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, you're, you're you're, put, you've put a, a, a target on your head. You're basically, you said, I'm going to. You you all belong to me now. Exactly. I'm gonna be so good when I show you what I've what I've done. Yeah. Daikatana, 
it's the sharpest, biggest sword you've ever seen. I'm going to cut all the heads off of everyone off in the industry. Yeah. We're going to be the only studio left because we are so good. Exactly. Everyone exactly. else is just going to bow down and go bust because they won't even be able to beat us. Yeah. They'll exactly. just stop the game they're working on, walk out of the office <laughs> and go, I'm going, no. no the way worst part is they probably did think that. They honestly probably There's no way that. we can beat Daiki no. Takana. Exactly, right? Now, the reason I brought us back to the war between Wilson and Porter is because with the debacle of Dominion... Yes. And because of the way that a lot of people were disgruntled with Porter, the way that he was allegedly managing things and so on and so forth, Wilson took the other... Well, not John Flaherty, took um, Romero Hall right out to a bar where the conversation topic got onto Porter. And apparently Romero and Hall were oblivious to all of it. They didn't realise people were unhappy. They didn't realise all the problems that were happening. And actually, sorry, this was prior... Sorry, I've got my timeline slightly mixed up. This was prior to Dominion being released. Right, OK. And Wilson saying, we've got problems. Right. Like, this guy is the problem. You know, like, if we don't get rid of him, it's going gonna, it's gonna to infect the whole company with his culture. Yes, exactly. Yeah, he's the point. They, exactly. They agreed to fire him. The next day, they go through their due diligence, speak to whoever it is they have to speak to. HR. Go, yeah, yeah, go through the official channels. And in, in doing so, Romero gets cold feet. He's like, you know what? We're going to fire this guy because of apparently how he makes people feel, but we haven't actually given him a chance to F things up. Yeah. You know, like, mm-hmm. we're, what, we're firing him because he might F things up? Let's give him a chance. And, and again, that's what I'm saying, I feel really sorry for Romero because... He wasn't a business guy. He wasn't. He just wanted to make. He didn't want to be involved in any of this. Yeah, he didn't, he didn't wanna, want the politics. He didn't want to fire somebody. You know, he like he'd been forced to, or maybe left of his own accord. But he'd been forced to leave a company himself. Yes. Like, yeah, yeah. He didn't want to do that. So he gave him another chance. But what did he do when he gave him that other chance? He told Porter that they were planning on firing him. Right. Within okay. a month for this happening, Mike Wilson got sacked. So what happened was Porter realised who was instigating all of this, who was yeah, against exactly. Now, Porter's other mistake, other than the terrible marketing, was that he also took a loan from the company for a car that he then wrecked. Who did? Uh, Wilson. Wilson. Oh, Wilson. Wilson right, took okay. a, a $30,000 loan. Okay. Uh, it might have been £30,000 and $45,000 Yeah, yeah, yeah. Doesn't matter. Took a large, substantial loan from the company to buy a car that he then wrecked. Right, so okay. he was having an issue where he was supposed... To, it was only a short-term loan. Mm-hmm. It was agreed with the chief financial officer to do it. So he didn't steal the money, but he was supposed to pay it back like in a week because he was right, just waiting yeah. for his loan mm-hmm. to come through. But where he wrecked the car, he wasn't getting approval for the loan. So all yes. of a sudden, he can't pay it back. A week turns into 10 days, turns into two weeks. Now it looks shady. So that, coupled with... The fact that he had this terrible marketing campaign. Yeah, he's trying to go against Porter. The guy against Porter. And the only, his only real backer was Bob Wright. And between them, they had 5% of the company. Yes, there was exactly. not enough weight behind him. Yeah. He got shown the door. Who moves into the role of CEO? Porter. Porter moves into the role of CEO. Oh, that's a does. spicy and meatable. <laughs> then Dominion releases. And it and fails miserably, as we said, 14,000 copies. Terribly, hardly... No, yeah, Done. Doesn't move the needle. Does not move the needle. But they're running out of cash. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They're burning. They've spent wasted in offices, hiring God knows how many developers, so on and so forth. So they want to do another deal with EDOS, where they give them a bigger percentage share of the company and they lower their royalties that they'll take from each subsequent time. I think it's from 40% down to 25% from mm-hmm. memory. Yeah. Problem is, is that they had had this deal agreed in place, done, except for being signed. Then Dominion gets released. Yes, and it, and it fails. And EDOS initially. are now thinking, what have we done? EDOS are looking at it going, uh, is this... Okay, what about Daikatana? 
oh, it's been delayed again. They're like, then we can't invest. Yes, you know, like, Daikatana we, we can't... is having its own problems. Exactly, exactly, which we will get yeah, to. Yeah, I do yeah. want to cover just a little bit yeah, yeah. of Daikatana and, and why it had the problems it had. Well, Daikatana is the sort of famous thing from Iron Storm. Yeah. But I don't think even people remember Dominion. I didn't even know. It was All I knew was I knew about Daikatana... Uh, Aquinox and the uh, uh, stuff that was made by Ironstorm. Exactly, exactly. Uh, so Austin is, is absolutely the poster child of failures within the company. But you realise there were so many other failures that it didn't stand a chance to succeed. No, leading up to it, yeah, did not stand a chance. Now the reason I have it wasn't got... built on fertile ground. It was exactly. built on a dam. Now the reason. Over yeah, it's always sinking. It's always sinking. <laughs> <Exactly. laughs> that build over made of lava. <laughs> wasn't even made over out of water. Yeah, exactly. And then the reason that I'm I'm bringing up uh, this part and the deal now is because the next person for the chopping block is very very important, and that is a guy called Bob Wright, as we mentioned. Yes, Bob Wright, yeah. the CEO. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Right. Now he obviously had been at war with Porter. Paul was obviously trying to get him out the door. Yeah, exactly. He goes for a deal. He goes for a meeting. With um, it was yeah, well, I, I might be getting him confused with Wilson for the meeting, but anyway, a meeting takes place, right? No, it is Bob Wright. Bob Wright takes ten developers from the Daikatana team, right? Okay, out, and allegedly says to them, "I can go off and make another company. You should join me." That's alleged, but what is not alleged is that they did voice their dissatisfaction with what was happening, with the delays and the fact that they didn't feel that the company was ever going to release this game. Right. Subsequently, they would leave the okay. company, leave during development. Right, so okay. So during the whole entire Daikatana development, only two people from the beginning lasted until the end. And oh, one of those okay. is John Romero. Yes, exactly. You know, so, so that, again, in itself speaks loads. So Porter saw this as an outrage. Because yes. word had, because these people left, word had got to Edos. That the reason they left was they were concerned about Daikatana. Yes, exactly. Dominion had flopped terribly. Yeah. Edos told them there's an email, it's official that they, or there's a, an email from Porter, sorry, detailing what they said, that they were getting very, it was very free times and then exclamation marks afterwards, very, very cold feet because of the sale of Dominion and the, the numbers it had done and the delay and subsequent loss of people from the Daikatana team. Yes. That they were like, we can't invest in this. Now he then sent, he got caught because he tried to take Bob Wright to court and said, right, this is okay. your fault. Bob Wright was suing them for wrongful dismissal. Right, okay. And they wanted to counter-sue for um, uh, damages against the company. I can't yeah, remember yeah, the exact mm -hmm. term. But because of this suing, Todd Porter was getting deposed. Right, okay. During the deposition, that's where you find out he never finished a game. Right, okay. He'd never completed a game in his entire life. And you also, he had company emails that he was supposed to destroy, but he didn't. He put them on the main server in a company full of programmers. So what did the programmers do? They found these internal emails <laughs> right, okay. where he is not being nice to everybody, let's say, and saying, and saying to Edos, don't worry about the people that left. They were all useless. You know, yeah, exactly, just yeah. The companies they've gone to hiring old mates and giving them a job, and this is going to be amazing, that's going to be amazing, and just all these outlandish promises or completely rubbishing people that were still yeah, there. Yeah, exactly. And some of the people that were considering leaving saw this and were out the door. Yeah. You know and I think it was something like a team of 20 people had left. They either left the company entirely or left to go to Ironstorm, Austin. Yes. Okay. So they're out the door. EDOS is, is getting real cold feet by yeah, this point. Yeah, 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 yeah. Real, real cold feet. Now, we're now coming to sort of the, the meat, if you like, 
uh, of, of the story, and that is like Katana. Right, okay. So, so far, we only have one game released. They're yes. hemorrhaging money. Mm-hmm. As I said, Edos is having to give them advances without meeting milestones because they're going to close otherwise. Yes, and Daikatana is meant to be John Romero's pure what he wanted to do without being without hemmed in. Hemmed this in. Is, yes, this is it. technology. This is, yes, this is it. This is yeah. everything he's ever going to do. It's going to be brilliant. It's going to have AI characters. Yeah. It's going to revolutionise FPSs, which at this point have just been run and gun. Run and gun. Yeah, run and gun. They're not yeah. really. Yeah. You know what I mean, but not too far off rail shooters. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah, really. but you can move about in them. Exactly right. So. He was supposed to do that, and what did he, why did he leave ID Software? Because he didn't want to be confined to the restrictions of John Carmack's technology, yes. waiting for that to be ready, waiting for that to, to be able to do what he wants. And he was going to license that technology. And what technology did he license for Daikatana? Oh, no. Quake. Quake. <laughs> Which was, for those of you that, that um, may have, have lost us, is obviously what John Cormack made. Yes, uh, John Carmack Cormack had made, the... had made at ID Software. Yeah, John Cormack made the ID Software. The problem is, they were stat- game was supposed to release six months after the launch of Ironstorm. Which I think is crazy. It would have never taken six but, months. But if you look at his history of what he did with ID Software and the amount of games that they did produce with a lower number of developers, yes. I don't think it was that crazy. He was over-ambitious, but yes, I think his time... But yeah, but those ga- if you go back and play those games, they're run-gun games. Yeah. There's, there's a few key puzzles. He had, he had more money this time. He wasn't restricted by the technology. The technology would be yeah, built but by yeah, somebody but he wanted else. To he wasn't build AI it. characters that followed you about and were like... Oh, he over-extended he over <laughs> I mean, it. That take more than six months. Oh, absolutely. We can't right. get that right. Nowadays, it's yeah. too hard, quite hard to do. And therein, you've stumbled on another really good point there as we, as we come to kind of bring this to a close you know as we're, we're coming to the tail end of, of this episode the problem was is that six months into development where they're obviously having issues anyway John Romero and Tom Hall catch sight of the Quake 2 engine and they're like oh you can do variable lighting now you can do um, hardware acceleration you know, like, oh, yeah. just through this engine we need this engine we're going to scrap all the work we've done already all of it went Dale all of it. All of it. And we're going to start from scratch again using the Quake 2 engine. Problem is, nobody it really worked with the Quake 2 engine outside of ID Software. Oh, ID Software, yeah. And John Cormack, for his own admission, is an introvert and a hermit. He didn't really want to do support calls. No. When he worked with John Romero, John Romero did the support calls for the third party. Yes, companies. exactly. Yeah, he would run them through the yeah, engine. Yeah, because he's a chatty guy. He's a... Exact, exactly. So all of a sudden, they're like working on this, this engine and they haven't got direct access. John Cormack. Exactly. They get him for two hours a month. That's all they get out of him. The person they used to work with, the person they the used person to know. The person they, they used spend, to work with. They spend every day with. Exactly. They get two hours a month. No, they get two hours a month. Two hours a month. I mean, they might have got a bit more, but his contract, is what I read, was he would only give the third parties two hours of, air quotation mark, FaceTime. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. per month. So, of course, they are now heavily behind schedule and trying to work on an engine none of them have ever worked on before yes. and, and as you mentioned working working with these AI characters who were called um, I think it was Mikoko and Superfly Johnson <laughs> I don't, I'm not making that I second mean, name up Superfly Johnson tells you everything you need to know all, all you needed to do for top of the flops Iron Storm Go they had an AI character that keep getting stuck on walls called Superfly Johnson the end yeah, that's exactly. all you needed to say really here we was spent the an hour going through all this now these AI char- all these other characters what's yeah. all you had to say oh, oh, that's literally all I had so we could have done this in one minute <laughs> yeah. one minute top of the flops uh, where, where we look at the very simplest thing that made a company fail <laughs> we're going to do 60 of them an hour <laughs> and in one minute we can tell you why that's going to fail yeah, <laughs> so, exactly. anyway right as we are running a little bit out of time because obviously we do record this as a live show for anybody that's listening as, as a podcast 
they were obviously massively behind schedule. Didn't know what they were doing. Really, and, and these AI characters that were supposed to be um, help you solve certain puzzles, but also if those characters died, you failed the level. Exactly, that's crazy. Yeah, and it, it makes no sense whatsoever. I mean, I, I understand and I admire his ambition. Oh yeah. But no technology was there to do this. Yes, yeah, exactly. Just was not there. So of course the game is in real problems. And then I suppose really the final now in Daikatana's outside, and we've obviously already talked about the number of people that left the team. Yeah. Mm -hmm. They're constantly revolving door. All the other people trying to get involved in making it. Yeah. The marketing strategy, the over-promises. The real thing that, it, that, that for me killed this game was the 1999 E3 demo. Okay. Where it infamously played back at six frames per second. No. <laughs> six frames per second, and it didn't work at all, just kept crashing. Now, again, you do a little bit of research into this. People will say, oh, what happened was John Romero asked for a number of changes to be done to the demo last minute, and that's what caused it to crash. John Romero says, that's not what happened at all. The demo was fine. I left for the E3 convention yeah mm -hmm. people the hierarchy as he calls it because again he never saw himself as one of the the, the business exactly guys. He he just never a designer, yeah? they made these requests and said that john had made them and it really he didn't say names but it really seems like it might have been a certain todd porter yeah. that had made these requests because they didn't feel that the game was showing off enough at the demo mm -hmm. you know like so the game gets the game goes out and it obviously it, it does abysmally uh, at the demo then comes to even pre-release. Before it even gets released, Nintendo, Empower, uh, I think five months before it released, gave it four out of ten review. Yeah. Might mm -hmm. have been five out of ten. That was a uh, port made by a different company. Oh, right, okay. Yeah, by yeah. Kimco, uh, I think they're called. Okay, you, 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 yeah, okay, maybe. I know that they did a Game the, Boy Color port Yeah, they did. They, they, yeah. They've also did a uh, N64 Oh, okay. Uh, but, but even so... they sort of lost... Sort yeah. of got in there like, oh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So there we are. So, you know, so you've got this game, it's fouled, it's, it's getting terrible reviews before it's even hit the shelves. Yeah. It comes out, it sells 20,000 units. Yeah, exactly. Well, what happened to this game, John Romero? You, you said it was going to be amazing. Exactly. You and promised it, us the world and you gave us... Gave us nothing. Superfly Johnson. Exactly. Now, stuck on the, wall. the writing's on the wall now. Now, the reason I say essentially that was the end of the company. The writing's not on the wall. No, the writing's... Superfly Johnson. Yeah, Superfly Johnson. <laughs> That's really good. Now, the only other one we haven't really talked about now... And the reason it's at the end is because this game was released and within days, the Dallas studio was closed. And that's the... I really should read. Anna Chronox. Anna there Chronox, you go, yeah. Anna Chronox. Which, which is was Tom Hall's one. And the worst part about it is, imagine if you'd have flipped the releases on the head and released this one first, then Daikatana in the same place, and then yeah. Dominion. Because this one got well-reviewed. Yes, it was a yeah. time travel, wasn't it? Like yeah, or FPS something like that. Yeah, there was a role-playing in the vein of Final Fantasy. We I think it's also based. based on that sort of engine, oh, using yeah. the Doom engine as well. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's... I mean, I think if you can watch a whole playthrough now and it tells you the whole story, yeah. there's quite a few of them on YouTube. Well, they, they actually, but I still think it looks a bit janky, though. <laughs> interestingly, they converted the cutscenes into a Machina film, yeah, yeah. which won awards. Yeah. And that was done by Jerry O'Flaherty. Oh, right. And no, it wasn't done, done by Hughes. Right, okay. Hughes, who was brought... Uh, Jake Hughes, right, who okay. was brought in um, and he'd worked on Do Sex and so on yeah, and yeah. so forth. Um, so, as I said, Daikatana Fowls. The company's in the toilet by this point. The plug's always going to be pulled. Even though a good game does come out, that's it. Yeah. They pull the plug. Even while the game's still selling, they close the studio. Because they haven't closed the company, you know what I mean? yeah, like, yeah, it looks just... like they've just converted over to 
I yeah. Storm Austin. But they were always ran as two different entities because yeah. they didn't want Dallas affecting, affecting Austin. Yeah. So, which is weird because it kind of seems like EDOS fully owned the Austin side of it. Or I think they must have funded it or something. It was yeah. difficult for me to find that information, but it seems that way. Now, for me, as I, as I, as I come up, obviously Iron Storm was a flop. Yes. But I think John Romero is really harshly treated when people talk about the narrative. I don't think he was the problem. I think he was reluctant in nearly everything he was made to do. I mean, he overpromised and underdelivered, but that's not as necessary a crime. It happens a lot of the but time. I think that came from the marketing. I yeah. don't think that was down to Peter, him. Peter Mullocks, Peter Mullocks has made a whole career of that. Yeah, he's the mean? guy that done Fable and, and, and yeah, things yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah exa exactly, which I would like to, to do one time. So I wanted to say that, yes, the company's a flop, but I don't think it was John Romero's fault. No, and I always thought it was. Yeah, exactly. That's I, what I, I, I think about it was... about the narrative at the beginning. Yeah. But now you've proved to me it's not, which no. is quite an interesting thing, that this Todd Porter may be the reason why it all went belly up. It, it would seem that way. It I was... mean, there was mistakes along the way by no, everybody. Not, not singly him. I think him and Mike Wilson share the biggest responsibility. Yeah. And they're infighting, definitely. And I haven't mentioned Jerry O'Flaherty much, but other than the fact that he's the most successful since leaving, he worked on... He was the art director for Gears of War. Oh, right, OK. So, so he actually, when it was supposed to be a throwaway title, they had no real sort of hopes for that game. Yeah. And he made it cool, and apparently Microsoft felt that that game made their console cool, and they loved it. And that was made by Epic, wasn't it? Uh, it was made they by made Epic. Epic were nobody at the time. They were, again... They, they, no, they were famous for the Unreal Engine... Yeah, the Unreal, yeah, the Unreal Tournament engine. But again, I'm not entirely sure. I, I didn't massively go into that, to, no. to be fair. But he seems to be... And funny enough, whose name really didn't come up in any of that? No, exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And he's the one that's been able to carry on and, and form a career. The rest of them, Romero's had one stop start after the other. Tom Hall yeah. is always with him, whatever venture it is yeah, he's yeah. doing. John Romero seems to have had 20 different companies. Yeah, exactly. And uh, Todd Porter nothing other mm -hmm. than writing a children's book. I listened to an interview to. from John Romero and he was talking about some games it was back in 2016. Don't think any of those games ever came out. Oh, really? I think I made a slight mistake. I think it was 40,000 units that I could target. Oh, it was yeah, 20,000 at Anoconics. Oh, well, and Tom Hall says it's because they blasted for all of their money making it and they had no money to market yeah. it. So people just didn't even know it had been released. Yeah. Like, and even though it got... A and it also got the Daikatara Di Di stink on it and exactly, the Iron Storm yeah. stink in it as yeah, well. Yeah, exactly. And Dominion. Mm -hmm. which, which would have gone with that as well. So I think you pulled a tremendous one out of the bag there. I really enjoyed looking into this. And I really, it was really nice to see that when you start delving into things, yeah, you get a, maybe a different, yeah, you get a different story. Yeah, exactly. So, so for that, Daryl, I've got to say you pulled that one out of the bag uh, in terms of, of a subject. I can't wait for what you're going to give me tomorrow. Because if, if for those that don't know, Daryl comes up with what the top of the flops mm -hmm. is going to be. Just so happens to be on this occasion, because I knew nothing of Iron Storm, I fell deep into the rabbit hole of researching what happened there. I'm going to give you a hint for next week. Oh, go on. It's going to something about Jack Kirby, the famous comic book Ooh. artist. So look Ooh. forward to that one. No, I am really looking forward to that one, Daz. That That's... I, I'm looking forward to it because I'll tell you what I loved about the Inhumans one we done. I loved looking into the, the ownership. created by Jack Kirby. Yeah, exactly. Well, yeah, absolutely. But I loved looking into the ownership, you know, who owned it, who was behind it. Yeah. And that was another great one where you were able to unravel a narrative that, that I don't think on the surface people knew was there. And I think that's what we've done here as well. Yeah, exactly. And that's what I love about Top of the Flops is can we find a narrative that without deep diving you won't know about. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's beyond just those sound bites. And talking of sound bites, 
We're at the end of the show, Dale. That has been oh, another Dale. episode of Top of the, the Flops. Flops. Oh, well, man, that's amazing. I know, I it's know. It's gone by so quickly. So uh, <laughs> it's just for us to say we'll uh, see you next week. If we you want will. to find us, we're all over social media at Another Show 2020. We on are. On Instagram, on Twitter, on Facebook, and everywhere you want to go. Oh, no, they're just those three, actually. <laughs> it's no just one, those three. We have no gone on to nowhere else. else. But we are on all the podcast flat platforms. If you search for Another Show and Top of the Flops... You will find us. We're on Spotify. We're on Overcast. We're on Pocket Casters. We're on iTunes. Yes. We are We're everywhere. not iTunes anymore. It's Apple Podcasts. Oh, it's Apple Podcasts. Spotify. I do apologise. So until next week. Until next week. Goodbye. From him. And goodbye from him as well. <laughs>